welcome back to Soul Speak with Meg Michelson. If you're new, thank you so much for being here. If you're a repeat, I appreciate you come back. You came back, and also please share with others because I really love getting this information out there. Today's episode, we are going to continue conversations about emotional availability and emotional unavailability. I have a really cool young man with me, and um, he agreed to be on today's podcast, which I'm so grateful for. So McLean, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are working on your emotional availability. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is McLean. I'm 25. And really emotional availability for me has kind of become front and center um, over the last three years or so. I can't really pinpoint exactly the time, um, but just in my early 20s here, uh, life's kind of hitting me in the face pretty drastically. I kind of had been digging personally um, and with my family um, over the last few years, and it's become apparent to me that there's a little bit more <laughs> to life. Um, and, you know, I've been digging and digging and digging, and, you know, that's how I found you. So. Thank you. And, um, I, well, there's so much I want to ask you, and certainly you feel free to jump in and talk about things you want to. So when you look back at your history and say as little or as much as you want, were you raised in a home where you were taught how to be emotionally available, how it was safe to speak with others emotionally? Or was it a little bit harder to navigate feelings in your home? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to say so. Um, I know, I know my mom, I was raised by a single mother for a long time. I know that, um, she would say probably yes. And I would say yes too. Um, but looking back on it, I don't think as a kid, I was perceptive enough to pick up on it. Um, it was kind of always underlying there, but I didn't kind of come online, um, to kind of realizing what a childhood means to that, um, probably until my early 20s um, or late teens. Yeah. And uh, kudos to your mom for raising you as a single mom. And I want to insert something in that because when I raised my kids, I'm a single mom too. And it's really painful for some parents and actually adults that are non-parents to not be fixers. And when we feel like we're being emotionally available, which I thought I was during my raising kids years, I was actually trying to fix it. And that's not necessarily pre, uh, creating a safe environment, trying to fix instead of hear and be mindful of the availability. So does that make sense to you? Yeah, it totally does. And one thing that's interesting too is depending on the kid as well, because, you know, as the mother, you can have um, the best intentions always, but, you know, you're only kind of responsible for your part. And then, you know, it's two ways. So the kid is responsible for their part too. And sometimes I can feel like that's frustrating for the mom or the, the dad for that matter. Um, 
but one thing that's interesting to me is like what you just said, if you go to, um, you know, fix those things sometimes, uh, what would happen with me? And I think it, you know, might happen to other people, um, depending on how perceptive they are is, uh, it becomes, you know, in your, as you're growing up, you're trying to find yourself, right. And your self-esteem and, um, that's super, super, super tricky. At least it is for me. I think it's something that everybody as they're growing up, um, needs to find and it's a different journey for every person. Um, but for me, I was a people pleaser big time. So kind of going off what you said there, um, with being careful not to correct is if you have a child, that's a people pleaser, it actually clouds their kind of self-esteem and, um, figuring out who they are because then they become, uh, well, I want to fix it, but in the way that my mom wants to fix it. And in doing that, you lose your, yourself a little bit because you're not, it's not coming from you. It's coming from, from something else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that was so well said. Thank you. Because our intention is to help. And sometimes as parents or as lovers or as friends, we just end up getting in the way. And that's not our intention. And so to expand on, am I being heard, which is part of that learning to be emotionally vulnerable, being in that safe space. When you said before, it's also the kids and the parents, and let's take that into a relationship. It's also both partners because we come in, my belief, we come in with our own wounding. I don't believe we come in as pure, unadulterated, everything's perfect. You know, we have, if anyone knows astrology, you'll have your sun, your moon, and your rising sign, and then a lot more. And I have five children. One's a Virgo, one's a Pisces, one's an Aquarian, one's two are Libras. And they came in with their own stuff and they communicate with me differently. So it is exactly right what you said. It is the parent-child, but it's also partner-partner. We can be a good communicator, possibly, but we also want to honor where the other person is at and not force communication either, because that's part of creating that safe environment. So have you ever been in a relationship with someone where you didn't feel safe being honest with? Yeah, definitely. Um, and for me, that was another, you know, I, I keep coming back to self-esteem. Um, it's all kind of self-esteem for some reason. It's right next to um, self-confidence, self-esteem, um, and then also your true self or like being honest with yourself. Those are all kind of, all three of those are wrapped up together close to me. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had that issue where, um, you know, I would say like, I wanted to be honest, um, or I wanted to, you know, have that open line of communication. Um, but I myself had this projection of the other person and perhaps, like a view that I held or, um, just it, like an urge that I had to say something or to be myself kind of let loose. Um, I had a projection that they wouldn't accept me or I would, you know, 
upset them or piss them off and they, they would leave me or they wouldn't talk to me for a long time. Um, yeah, just the, the fear of upsetting someone and probably something that wasn't that big of a deal, but you know, inside it, it was brewing and, but yeah, I, I like to, <clears throat> I think it's a me thing as opposed to, you know, how dare this person not be emotionally available. Um, usually stems from me. Yeah, I agree. And um, also, we tend to send out a signal because everything is vibration. And so if we're not ready for emotional availability, we might choose somebody so subconsciously that is either really needy or also emotionally unavailable. You know, like attracts like. And so it's wherever we are on the vibrational scale. So when we get in that pattern of not feeling safe, we rarely bring in someone that is healthy because we're not ready. And so when you look back at your partners, was there a theme in who you were dating? Was there some sort of a pattern with the people you were choosing? And that can go with romantic partners, but also with friends. Yeah. Um, I, I would say so. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's, I'm not changing that crazy from, you know, partner to partner, friend to friend. Um, so, but yeah, that's interesting to think about that. I, I suppose every single one of them is a reflection of, of myself in, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Where you were at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about prior to this um, via email about emotions and where we feel it. When you're feeling that shutdown, when you're feeling you are not ready to share your emotions or to talk honestly and you withdraw what happens what's your physical reaction and then what is your um, emotional reaction to that um <clears throat> the physical for me is definitely felt kind of mid-stomach um and kind of up through um, a little bit, almost like the same area where anxiety would be felt. Um, <clears throat> and then mentally, it's, it's usually frustration. Um, and, you know, it can range from, you know, a little frustration. Um, but those frustrations, you know, stack over time. And when you're emotionally unavailable, those are stacking pretty, <laughs> pretty close together and pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. And so then do you tend to well, what I know of you is you will tend to withdraw and then the, maybe that inflammation is internal, but not so much external. Right. Well, definitely withdrawing because it includes holding your tongue typically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, trying to fit in. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, for, it's not so much um, physical withdrawal for me as it is um, kind of, you know, being present, but not at the same time. So um, I'm there, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there, but I'm inside. I'm right. not yep. sharing externally. Yep. 
And then our mind can get quite active and tell a whole lot of stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And some people, I want to just tell our audience, the viewers, that the listeners, that we do it in different ways when we're not emotionally available. And even someone that is or thinks they're emotionally available isn't always because it depends on where we are, our our energy level, what's going on in that day, how we're handling everything in life. And there are other ways. You know, McLean's is to withdraw um, from his voice or he holds it in. And some people use jokes. There are a lot of people that use humor, sarcasm as a way to deflect emotions as a way to not talk about the things that now become a big white elephant in the room. And when you look back at, at your history, because you have been working on this, so prior to and in this now new pattern that you're establishing, that fear or lack of ability to communicate, did that ever come into your mind? Like, I don't even know how to communicate this stuff. Yeah, it's sometimes because it, I mean, that sounds, it, it sounds kind of silly because what a simple thing, you know, there's what you want to communicate. <laughs> the bridge to that is you just say it. It's like, well, why would that ever be an issue for anyone? Um, but it's, it's a little, it, it's a little deeper than that because sometimes I don't know what I want to say. <laughs> I know that, you know, I want to um, portray something, but because I've been doing that for so long, my, my need, like it's by the time it comes up, I've already concealed it. Um, so it's hard to, to reaccess that. It's like a, a fleeting thought. You're like, Oh, <laughs> how do I, how do I get that back? It's like, well, I guess I got to sit here and wait until it comes back again. But, yeah. but yeah, that's definitely a, a good one. And, um, or a hard one. Um, but the way, I've kind of tried to get over that is, is be self-aware um, that I do have that. So um, if I can catch it before it happens, as twisted as that sounds, you can emotionally put yourself in the mindset and focus to, to kind of pre-catch those things. I do catch myself going, oh, that's interesting. Maybe, you know, even a week ago, I wouldn't have let that happen, you know, and I'll be like, all right, good. <laughs> We're making progress. So you are allowing yourself to notice when you're shining a little brighter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah. huge. It's really, really important that we catch ourselves when we've made the changes we want to make. That helps our self-esteem. That helps our self-confidence, like you talked about earlier. That also raises our vibration. We're noticing not just where we mess up, but we're noticing the goodness. We're noticing where we are scoring, which is huge. Right. Yeah. And before you said, you know, it sounds stupid to not know what to say. Uh, there's not very many people, unfortunately, that really speak their truth in kind, healthy ways. It's all a learning curve. And part of that is because we don't know how because it wasn't modeled. So that is not um, uncommon. It's unfortunately really uncommon that we just don't know how. And you are taking the time to learn and to be less reactive. And like you said, catch yourself 
when you're doing something and catch yourself when you're noticing that pattern. So that's beautiful. And when asked to express emotions, someone I'm working with doesn't like to express the emotions because it represses them because in whatever way, in whatever pattern, they have decided that if they're not perfect, they're not enough. And especially for pleasers, if we don't do it well, then we're not enough. And then, then what happens to your self-esteem? Then what happens to your energy level? When you're feeling like, well, I messed that up, or I don't know how, I'm not enough. So when do you feel that? How does that make you feel? And, and if you're willing, where do you feel that in your body? Yeah, growing up um, in Catholic schools, I grew up in Catholic schools. Um, I kind of adopted a, a way of thinking um, that I kind of didn't become aware of until I was probably in eighth grade. Um, but it was very much I was living outside of myself and through my teachers and my peers. Um, so all behavior would be filtered through what my peers think about me and what my teachers think about me. And that was I, like an evolved learned behavior because um, as long as those things were going well in life, um, especially the teachers, um, you know, the, the I, I say it like this, if the teachers were happy, the peers were happy, and then the parents were happy, and you had kind of control of your entire life. Um, and that hurt me growing up because as I started to get into high school, you know, that was my default. So it was the same thing. If, you know, my teachers are happy with me, my peers are happy with me, you know, then my parents will be happy with me. Um, but as I grew up, there was more and more of a disconnect between my actual self and the self that I'm, that I think is myself, that I'm kind of facading and portraying to, you know, the outside world. Um, and it was never a nefarious thing. It was never like, oh, I'm tricking all these people that, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a likable person or anything like that. It was more of, I just had no idea who I was because I was holding up and performing for everybody around me. And that was a coping mechanism that I learned growing up with the pressure of, you know, Catholic school, this is how you act, this is how you think even, um, and you better not let me catch you <laughs> thinking or acting any other way. Um, so, yeah, yeah. and that, that feeling, yeah. same thing, That's that comes with, it's very, very heady, it's in your head, and it comes with spinning, um, like, false projections onto other people about what they're thinking about you. Um, and it's very dynamic and it's constant everywhere. It's with every single person that's around you. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. And that's that pleaser and an empath. You're reading people's energy all the time. Of course, most of us were never taught we were doing that. Right. And absolutely you're in your head because you start second guessing, double checking, Mm -hmm. looking around you and it goes right to the gut. So the sixth chakra, which is the mind is connected to the third chakra, which is our self-esteem. 
And you said it so well, you're out there projecting, you're out there gathering all the information so you can feel safe as a pleaser. And you're not in here. You're not inside you. You're not checking in with your heart. And then we lose track of what we want. People that I work with that are long-term pleasers that are older than you sometimes don't even know what kind of food they like anymore. So that you're starting younger is beautiful and you are doing some great work and you feel it. So that's even better that you notice it and you feel it. Now, a question you threw out to me, and I really like this is, and I'm going to just repeat this if it's okay, because I thought it was um, just so well said. You know how when you close your eyes and bring attention to any place in your body, like your right ring finger or your left shoulder blade, where should that energy be focused when you're going through your day? Right. Where should your energy reside? Beautiful question. Big question. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. Where do you feel like you are feeling your energy? And why are you noticing it in your right ring finger or your left shoulder? When that's happening, is it an abundant feeling or is it a tight, painful feeling? Well, so the reason I pose that question is because um, I'm, I'm in my head a lot and I'm in even the area that isn't my body that kind of is, it, it's, it's my head, but it feels like it's not my body. And I was thinking about that last night and I was like, that's interesting because when I, when I walk around, um, sometimes I'm not even feeling any energy and that's because I'm in my head usually. Um, so that's why I, I, I pose that because yeah, I was laying down and I was thinking like, that's interesting. You can, you can channel that energy and you can, you know, you can be present. You can imagine you could do it right now. You could close your eyes. You could um, bring your energy to your right ring finger and you're like, okay, boop, there I am. I'm right now. I'm in my right ring finger. Um, and I, I know the answer isn't you should be in your right ring finger when you're walking around town. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and that's a question that I, it's a very remarkable question, but it's also such an important question because when you um, just said you were oftentimes in your mind all day long, I call that a brain in a jar, you know, in those old, well, I don't know if you guys remember those old movies, like with Frankenstein, there was a lab and there was a brain in a jar. And that's what that reminds me of when, as humans, we are in our head so much and so disconnected from our body we can drive five miles or 30 miles we have no idea where we are or what sign is next like wait how did i get here because we're thinking 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 we're not using our five senses so when you're noticing and you just directly put your attention into your right ring finger and you realize yeah i can do that we want to do that to the body all day long that's the beauty of the five senses. And I brought this up in other episodes. If we live in the five senses, we would worry way less. We would learn to be more present. We would be less scattered. We would be more joyful if we would live in the five senses. So that means I'm feeling where my breath is going. 
if I'm inhaling and I'm allowing myself to expand my belly and my back, now I'm in my third chakra, which is my self-esteem center. I'm giving myself that moment. So your question, where do we put it throughout the day? Long answer is to, short answer is to allow yourself to notice where you're feeling tension. Not pretend it's not there. You know, we'll sit at the desk or sit at the computer or stand in one position because we've got to get something done and we feel pain in our shoulder and we just ignore it. That's a burden. And we want to allow ourselves to put our attention there, not in a way that is saying, oh my gosh, this is killing me and I'm just going to ignore it. How we could do it in a way that says, I'm going to inhale and exhale until this area relaxes because that area is calling my attention. So that's one way to take our um, mindfulness. Where do we want to put our attention? And the other way is to bring it down into the lower body. Take the breath into the heart. Where should we be putting our energy? In our body throughout the day, not in the head. Unless we're going to do a breathing where we're expanding our mind and allowing it to open so cool ideas can come rushing in. Otherwise, we really want to get the breath into the chest, into the back, into the hips and the groin and the legs. Focus on what it feels like to be in the body when we're taking a walk, when we're trying to put something down whether it's a piece of paper or our keys, if we put our keys on the counter and remind ourselves with our hand, touch them, that's where we're putting our attention, we won't forget where our keys are. But when we're up in our mind all the time, we cause so much more chaos. So getting your energy into your physical body, not the mind, but the lower chakras, well, even the throat, the heart, the belly, the hips, the groin, the legs, the feet. And it, it, everyone that, that does that on a regular basis notices how much calmer they are. And then life feels a little less chaotic. Long answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. And it, with that same, when you're looking at how you're feeling and how that resides in the body. You know, when we worry, we're up in our head. When we're feeling um, lonely, we maybe started in our head with a thought, but humor me a minute. When you feel lonely, where do you feel it in your body? What happens to your physical body when you get that sense of loneliness? And you can um, even bring up in your mind's eye an example. And, that's what I'm trying memory. to do, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, uh, it's a hollow, it's in my, my shoulders and my mm -hmm. upper back right now. Yeah, yeah in the heart. In the heart. Mm-hmm. And do things start to feel a little lower and slower? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we all experience loneliness, every single human, and then we can all get out of it. Like one way, and, and you know, because you aren't 
in that same place that you were at some point in your life. You're in a, in a different place now. What are some things that you do to get out of that feeling of loneliness? Um, well, the, the quickest one, which is not the healthiest one, is distract myself. <laughs> and that's, um, you know, probably the worst thing you can do is I, I pick up my phone and I see what's going on in the world, distract myself. And <laughs> so, but yeah, um, a, a healthy way of doing that, that I've been doing, and I'm not sure if it was you that taught me this, but it's taking a very, very deep breath. Um, and then once you've done the complete deep breath, do another one and not through the mouth, but through the nose, like do a quick another one. Um, and what I learned is that that kind of snaps open your alveoli, your, the sacs that are in your, um, lungs and, um, it's fresh oxygen, but it kind of zaps your, your pulmonary system really quick and your body kind of resets slightly just a little bit. Um, and you know, yeah, that would work for loneliness. Um, and for me, I've been using it for anxiety quite a bit. That's really cool. Get out of my head. Yeah, that's you didn't learn that for me, and I love that. <laughs> and um, connecting that to the chakra system, which is that soul body, that also because it's in the lungs. Lungs are, are are also connected to self esteem, but the heart and the lungs, of course, work together. And you gave them a boost, and mm-hmm. so it goes right to okay, all's possible, all's good again. That's great because that's moving up the vibrational scale. So that's beautiful. And that's free, right? You can do it as much as you need to because sometimes (laughs) we need it more than others. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to bring up an uncomfortable subject because this comes to me from some people that we, well, it's uncomfortable. Some people, we, um, as when we're emotionally disconnected, especially more on the masculine side than the feminine side, people use sex as a way to connect emotionally and women that are disconnected from their partner emotionally don't even want to have sex. Some women, not all, because they're not connected emotionally as a guy when you are navigating your life and you felt emotionally disconnected did that keep you sexually disconnected? You know, you're and you're an empath, so it might be different for you than some guys that are not an empath. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me rephrase that question. Sure. Is that a way for you to feel emotionally connected to somebody? Yes, and I knew that's yeah, I knew that's what you were getting at. Um, but yes, certainly. Um, and I can't speak for someone that isn't an empath. Um, but that's definitely, I mean, that's like the most emotional thing you can do. Um, at least for me. (laughs) Um, so for sure, that's a way to, yeah, for sure. And I'm going to expand that because Mm -hmm. this is what I see as the disconnect because some people will say now I'm emotionally connected to you, but that doesn't mean we're going to talk about our feelings. Right. So it's, it's that instant connection, but is it really an emotional connection? Right. Yeah. It's like the hollow brother of it where, yeah, like it's, 
it's like chewing um how should i put this it, it's it's like chewing like a like a cake flavored bubble gum so it tastes like cake you might fool yourself that you're eating cake but you're not eating cake that's great. That's great. It's, it's like when, cause when I work with some, some singles or couples and they are, this is too much information, but it's still, it's kind of funny. Someone will want to have sex with someone, but they won't fart in front of them or oh, okay. they'll have sex with somebody or they won't say when they're sad or mad, they'll just slam drawers. Ironic. And, yeah. Right. And that is, so we can falsely think that's an emotional connection and because it is but that's not true emotional intimacy it's if you're having a physical connection with somebody and you're having an emotional connection then it is the deepest form of connection right yeah yeah and that's also kind of well yeah i, I guess you can have yeah you you can express you can do sex and more than one way, you know, but <clears throat> that is, you know, like if that were, I'm sure it's happened to me, but if that was happening to me, that would be a good thing. Cause I don't step back and think about that very often. Um, but it would be interesting to think, well, Hey, what's, what's going wrong if, um, I can get away with, you know, <laughs> having sex, but yeah, like I'm, I'm scared to, talk emotionally like i wonder if maybe my mind in both of those scenarios like while i'm having sex and uh at the time where it's appropriate to be emotionally available i wonder if both of those things need some attention yeah right right and um and then we start to bring in a whole relationship if that's what someone is seeking is a whole relationship mm -hmm. our, our country would be or our world would be a lot less lonely if we would want to have a whole relationship right you talked about this a little bit for, uh, before how have you been learning emotional intelligence you kind of talked about where you recognized you weren't and what are some ways are you reading books are you watching videos are you working with people how are you learning how to become more emotionally intelligent because a lot of our listeners really do want to know um yeah so it's definitely being like aware that like that's what i'm looking for um like same you know like you buy a new car all of a sudden you are driving around and you see that new car all over the place um if you're looking for something you'll find it so like um kind of manifesting and putting your energy and your attention towards looking for that um and then being open to it throughout the day and the week so it'll come in different forms um it might come in a conversation with a friend that you've had for years and years and years and then all of a sudden because you have your you know uh eq goggles on your emotional intelligence goggles on um you're having a conversation with your friend about this and um, you kind of get a little nugget or um, like your partner or um, your family or 
all of a sudden your YouTube feed has these little things because you've been Googling stuff um, or you get like a book recommendation um, or you find, you know, wonderful people on the internet that will meet you over Zoom and talk to you about it. Um, yeah, just being open um, to kind of whatever the universe is going to put out there for you. Um, and then taking action on it when, when it does and realizing that, oh, that just manifested. Now it's time to harvest. Exactly. You send it out there. It comes in all these cool forms. There's so much great information now. And your next step is to take action. And then practice. We kind of then practice. And the universe will give us opportunities to practice too, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the amount of information that I'll like, I'll get into a, a topic and, you know, I'll listen to a three hour long, four hour long podcast about something and just have it on constantly. And I'll be like, hmm, that's really profound. That's really interesting. And then, you know, I'll turn the podcast off and uh, and then and then nothing. I just I kind of like the nugget of like, oh, wow, I did a good thing. I <laughs> I listened to the self-improving uh, podcast. I'm in such a great mood. All right, thanks. And then I, I don't do anything for it um so like taking action on things for sure and then you kind of start to realize what people talk about when they're like this is a lot of work and you're like yeah whatever it's not lifting weights it's not pouring concrete in the summer it's not roofing but it's a different kind of work and it certainly is work it certainly 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 is work and it can be exhausting to open your Absolutely. heart and connect the voice and let it out can be really tiring. You can be drained after having that experience because why? Because we held it in and sweat so much thinking about it. Right. And then when the opportunity comes, because the universe will give you an opportunity, even if you just listened for an hour and a half and did nothing, you planted the seeds. So something is going to come. Right. Right. You're, you're still planting seeds. You're still doing something. And then you look for opportunities or the opportunities come to you. So you can learn to practice to feel safer. So what would you like your relation? Well, I'm going to back up because there's one more question I want to ask about that. So when you look back at the people that you've had in your life, are there people that you have felt safer being honest with than others? And what did the safe person provide for you that the unsafe person did not? Yeah, interesting. Um, for sure, yes. Um, and this one's going to be a hard one to articulate. I'll do my best. Um, but for me, there are certain people, I call them angels, that you'll meet throughout life. And there's almost no rhyme or reason to like, where you'll meet this person. There's not a place that you go or a time of year or anything like that, but you'll, you'll meet them and you'll click and you'll know. And, um, if like someone's listening right now and they've had that experience, they know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Um, if they're listening and they don't know what I'm talking about, that hasn't happened. And that's really unfortunate. And I, <laughs> I hope it does happen at some point. Um, cause it's a, it's a beautiful, feeling and it's also an undeniable feeling i would imagine it's sometimes yeah i was thinking about this question and 
it's a very, very, very hard one to put into words because I know that what I just me saying what I'm saying right now, and I've said absolutely nothing. Meg, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I, I almost want to bring give that right to you and see if you can do it, <laughs> do it justice as far as how you recognize that person. Because for me, it's it's intangible and tangible at the same time. I can't. Yeah, no, I that's can't tell beautiful. You. There are those people and my belief is they come at moments when that's what we need mm-hmm. and to help us learn to trust. And what are they all doing? They're listening. You feel safe because there is a, an energetic connection. Now, I talked about a sacred container where they're not slamming your ideas down or arguing with you there's a sacred container and whether or not they're even realizing it or you're realizing it or the the connection between you guys is realizing that there's a sacred container. Some people have more of that in their life than others as far as um, there are people you'll click with and there are people you won't. And the people you won't, there's usually a lesson in that for us to learn to use our voice even when we don't feel safe. There's growth there. But those people, those angels that you're talking about, they make it easier because mm-hmm. it's a wonderful gift to have people that you are safe talking to. And that's because you're doing an energetic exchange. If you could see it as a color it, or, or the vibrational energy, it would be it's moving to them and they're receiving it and moving it back. It's right. not choppy or cut off it is a beautiful exchange right and and also um you know i just thought of this like when you're talking to certain people um it's kind of superficial um like niceties you're being polite cordial um there are some people that when they are um going through you know just they're being cordial um, they're not only being cordial, they're also as into that conversation as they would be if you're having a, they're present, um, I guess is another way of putting that. Um, yeah. And so like, yeah, even an answer to your, your other question, um, it, it's, yeah, I think you hit it on the head when you said listening, because that's a very present thing. And, um, when you sit down with someone, you know, like there's those people that you're having a conversation with them, but as soon as you stop talking, they start talking immediately and they haven't, you know, they were using your time that you were talking to think about the next thing that they were saying. Um, yeah, where, yeah, that these people would be present when you say something, they listen and they actually take that in like all the way in. And then, yeah, when they come up with the next thing to say, yeah, I think, yeah, the listening thing for sure. Listening, because they're listening yeah. with That's their ears, but they're also listening with their being. Right, exactly. They've softened their being and they're allowing it to come in. And and so when we want to bring in people that we feel safer with, the more we allow ourselves to be a sacred container for other people, now we're bringing in that match, right? Because it's a vibration. It's all a vibration. Right. So 
as you're moving through this beautiful phase of learning and growth for yourself, what would you like your relationships to look like, your friendships, your partnerships? What would that look like that it hasn't looked like in the past? Um, for sure that there is for sure that when we're communicating day to day or we're hanging out, um, that I don't have that feeling of, uh, crap, I, I shouldn't have said that or the second guessing of things, you know, that I'm about to say, um, and really that it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me and how I think about myself and the mindset that I put myself in before I'm even around that person. Um, but I would like to be in that appropriate mindset already, you know, the, before I'm with that person, um, just if somebody were to walk up on me at a coffee shop randomly, that I would already be in that mindset. It's not something that I have to, you know, like put my helmet, my football helmet on and my eye black on and get ready for this conversation. I want it to be something that I'm basically existing always there um, without, I mean, I don't want to say without effort, but seem seamlessly, effortlessly. <laughs> And then you'll draw in more people that will allow you to do that. And we'll still have people that it'll be a little harder with. Right. But those significant relationships will be that flow that you're talking about mm -hmm. because you're also creating the flow. So from my understanding, it was you want someone that you can share how you feel with. And um, so you're not holding it in. You get to share it. You Absolutely. So when you started this journey of really working on your ability to be authentic and emotionally vulnerable in healthy ways, how has your life changed? Have you noticed any more what I love the word magic? Mm -hmm. um, have you noticed any more magic in your life? Yeah, I was just thinking the exact same word for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's magic the way that how you think and what you put out, you you get back. Um, yeah, like what, yeah, well, what you put in is, is what you get out. Um, and that also sounds like a really simple, you know, kind of foo-foo, um, but it's, it's, it's like magic. It is magic. Um, that you will, the same way you would turn on a light um, at, in the middle of the night, <laughs> like a summer night in Wisconsin, you turn on a light and, poof, you know, there's a hundred <laughs> little flying insects. It's the same. Yep. If, if you turn on your positivity light, the same thing happens. All those people just are attracted to it and you're like wow there's we started a party here <laughs> just by turning my light on um 
it's it's super it's it's crazy um yeah magic is is the best way to to put that because it it feels otherworldly this has been such a pleasure and an honor you are a really remarkable young guy and um I just feel so honored to to know you. Thank you for being with us today. And I know um, anyone that listens or watches is going to be so very glad they did. So have a beautiful week, McLean, and keep letting that positive light shine. Thank you so much, Meg. Have a good one. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me. If you want to learn more about me, services I offer, who I am, please check out my website, megmichelson.com. Also there you can join my newsletter. I do a, the best job I can to send it out monthly, no guarantees. Follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks again for coming. I'll see you next time.